What is going on, everybody? I am Greg Helbeck, and my co-host, Michael Pinter, and I are bringing you another episode of the New York Real Estate Investing Show. This show is all about how to be successful in New York State, one of the best places and one of the most difficult places to do business in. And each and every week, Michael and I are going to bring awesome content to everybody who wants to learn how to do this business successfully in New York. Between the both of us, we have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals. We've made millions of dollars and we've also made a ton of mistakes. So if you want to try your best to avoid those mistakes, definitely take a listen to this podcast. Every single week, we are going to provide actionable tactical steps on how you can be successful investing in the Empire State of New York. Stay tuned and welcome to the show. Welcome back to episode two of the NYREI show. Greg Helbeck here with my buddy, Michael Pinter. And today's show is going to be all about attorneys, like we mentioned on our first episode. So, Michael, I know this topic is near and dear to your heart. Yes. Yeah. Good ways so, in, in good ways and in bad ways. <laughs> well, that's the thing I think people in, in this market, in the state at least, are they, they struggle with new investors is they just don't know the logistics and they don't understand that the guys who are doing this all over the place besides New York are saying one thing, but in reality, it's a whole nother party. So I figured on today's interview, we'll spend, you know, 35, 40 minutes really going into detail on the nit, the nuts and bolts of, you know, why New York is different with these attorneys and then really what to look out for when you're working with an attorney in New York. So you can make sure that you're converting the deals that you should be converting and not letting them fall through the cracks for reasons that you have some control over, like knowing how it works in New York, because the last thing you want to do is get a great deal accepted, like an AO, which we call it in our area, and then have it die in the attorney's office because you know you you just could have made 50, 60 grand there. And then, you know, because of your lack of knowledge, you 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 cost yourself a fortune. So, Michael, I'll kind of let you get it kicked off here with um, you know, why there are attorneys in New York and why real estate transactions in New York usually go through attorneys, and then we'll kind of dive in on some of the nuances like the inspections and all we can kind of we'll, we'll take this thing all over the place but i'll kind of let you start off with with the uh the leading topic here okay so the main the most important thing that i think a lot of people who've never done business in new york uh don't understand is that a real estate transaction in 49 states in the other 49 states takes place between a buyer and a seller buyer goes to a seller says hey i'll pay you x for your house seller says okay buyer whips out a contract everybody signs and then you're in contract some states yep. require you to make a deposit some don't um, but in New York, that whole transaction process. So after you do your marketing and you get a seller to say yes to you, that whole transaction process takes place between a seller's attorney who actually does the, the, the generates the contract and the, and your attorney who is going to negotiate with the seller's attorney about that contract. And people are shocked to hear this. And the, the same, I get the same questions all the time. What if the seller doesn't have an attorney? which the truth is it happens very infrequently. It happens occasionally, but it's infrequent. And then I get a lot of questions of what happens if, or, or maybe can the, can the seller's attorney kill the deal, which also has happened on occasion, but it's very rare. Rare. It's very rare for me. It doesn't happen a lot. Maybe right. one out of 15, I was telling some guy the other day. Yeah, for me, it's probably even a little less, maybe one out of 20, one out of 25, yeah. but it does happen. You have, yeah. but you have to accept it. In other words, I know, so there's a guy who teaches um, how to do this up in Albany. Glenn, Glenn and Amber Schwarm. I've seen their ads on my, on my, uh, I get them on my, on my, my Facebook ads nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere. I, I signed up for his course. I want to see what he does. I'm, I'm in June is a thing. I'm just going to go online and watch it. But, um, and he, I remember I saw him talking to, uh, Brad Chandler, right. Many, many years ago. And he was like, I have to find a way around attorneys. I'm going to go around it. And 
it is possible to close deals without attorneys in New York, but A, it's really not advisable, and we'll talk about why, and B, um, a, a bigger issue is that um, it's, it's difficult to, very often, to convince a seller that he doesn't have to do things the way everybody else does. And you are going to try and introduce something which may cause you problems later, as we'll talk about, but also that you're trying to convince somebody who, let's say, has sold two houses before and always used an attorney that for some reason you don't need it now. Yeah, smells so, fishy. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think it's a bad idea. Also, and I actually did a couple of deals. I had two situations happened a couple of years ago where two sellers were just adamant that they don't want an attorney. So I had my, my attorney draw up a very strongly worded affidavit saying that they are choosing not to be represented. And in both cases, I had some, because the, because the transaction happened the way they happened, there are certain responsibilities of a sales attorney. So in both those cases, something happened that the sales, there was no sales attorney, so I had to do it, which I don't want to do, right? I don't want to clear title if there's open issues. I don't want to have to get a debt certificate, and I don't want to have to send a check, a list of checks for at the closing. These are just things that sales attorneys do. So I, I, I don't know which is better or worse, but for me, those I was I thought this was a dream come true that I was going to close deals without attorneys, and they were both nightmares for me where I had to do things that I never wanted to do. Yeah, that's a good point because that's something that I see a lot of people tr- struggling in this this area. They're they're they think that they think because everyone else says you can do it without an attorney, they think it's easier to do it in New York. But like you said, I mean, I, I I'll give you an example. Like there's closings where you know we're wholesale the house, and there's us, the my attorney, the buyer's attorney, the you know the seller's attorney, the lender's attorney. There's like five parties involved, and there's there's probably fifteen checks that are going to be written out to the city, to the town, to the municipality to the the sellers and my attorney i mean he's got a whole team of paralegals i mean this guy's got you know he's got probably you know 100 files going on right now so he knows what he's doing he has it systematized if you're going to do it yourself it you might think you're saving time but at the end of the day it it can get real messy too because even if you have that affidavit signed if they really 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 wanted to they could sue you cuz you could sue anyone for anything and i don't think they'd win in court but then that's going to potentially cost you, you by the way they might because if really? the transactions not happen, if they're not represented, a New York attorney is going to go, yeah. "Why weren't they represented?" And even if I whip out this affidavit, I have a feeling the judge is going to go, "I think you took advantage of." Mm. Well, especially because of the purchase price. Have you ever heard, of, by the way, on the on the subject of attorneys? My old attorney that I used to use, he used to tell me something that I didn't know about this, and now I'm pretty aware of it. It's called a HEPTA. Have you heard of a HEPTA? What's Home that? Equity Theft Prevention Act in New York, where there's distressed property. You ever heard of that? I think I have heard of it, but I, yeah. I never, what, so so what know? happened? Uh, this was a long. This hasn't hasn't happened in a while. But basically, some of the deals I, I do are you know they're involving some sort of credit or debt. You know, there's a tax foreclosure, there's a mortgage foreclosure, and actually, I believe in New York, this is obviously not legal advice, but I think the homeowner has to. You have to give the homeowner like I think some sort of a grace period where they can like, kind of think it through legally because they're in distress and they're selling at a discount after the. Yeah, I've had to have that happen a few times, but I mean, that's just little things that in New York, you got to know what you're doing. So Michael, let's- Another, let's reason, another reason to use an attorney. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't want to be sued for that for sure. So another, and this is after all the 2008 stuff that they, they put this into effect. Um, question for you is what a big thing investors reach out to us is like, who, how do I find an investor friendly attorney? So let's start with what is a non-investor friendly attorney going to sound and look like? And then we'll paint the picture of what a good one would sound like and look like. 
So first of all, I get asked all the time for an investor-friendly title company. Ah. That's what people <laughs> see on the internet. So let's just clear up the fact that the title companies in New York are basically service providers. That's their, job, their job is to make sure really two things are done. All the liens are paid off and all the taxes are paid off. Yes. They don't, they don't disperse the funds. No. By the way, the fact that they're that 50% of their job is making sure the liens are paid off is one of the reasons why subject to, I think is, if not impossible, close to impossible in New very York. Hard to. Because if you go to a title company and say, I just want to keep this mortgage, I think they're going to tell you that you're out of your mind. I'm not going to give you title insurance. Right. They're not going to insure. Um, but in other states, they will. So uh, to tell you that there's, there's very, very, very few in, uh, investor-friendly attorneys, because even attorneys who do a lot of real estate do not understand the concept of a double close or of an assignment. In fact, I would say most attorneys who do who, who really specialize in real estate might say something stupid to you like, it's illegal in New York, I heard it's bad, you're, 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 you're running too much risk. So you need someone who is very comfortable with doing investor transactions, right? You have a great attorney up in the Hudson Valley, John Ravella, right? Yeah, he's phenomenal. Right, I have a great attorney in uh, Queens and Long Island called uh, Robert Wisniewski, and I know a few other guys because we come in contact with with other people that are that are good. But the one, the amount, if you ask me to list every single really good investor friendly attorney in New York, I probably couldn't list more than seven or eight. Now there might be plenty that I haven't haven't met, but most attorneys really have no clue um, that this that what we do is even possible. Like it, it doesn't penetrate the brain. That's so true. And they, that scares a lot of people because they'll go to a RIA, they'll get excited. They reach out to their uncle who's an attorney and he says that, oh, you're going to go to jail if you do that. Next thing you know, they're demoralized and they can't you know, go ahead and proceed. The biggest thing you got to look out for, and I actually, Michael, I just did a double close with an attorney. I'm not going to mention his name, uh, but it was a JV deal. So we had to use this guy's attorney. And he was mind blown with what I told him about a double close when you kind of skip title. And he, right. he thought it was some tomfoolery. And I had to have him call my attorney and my attorney had to explain to the guy. And he, he was kind of like dragging his feet through this thing. He, and I, I said to the guy, I did the deal. I said, listen, dude, we're never using this dude again for an investor deal. I said, <laughs> I, I wouldn't touch him with a 10 foot pole. And even if he's listening, I, he knows the deal. He knows that's the truth. Right. So right. I hope you're listening, Mr. Attorney, but it was, it was trying to, it was trying to like, it was like bathing a cat, dude. It just was not going to happen no matter what. And the, it was sure the, the truth is most attorneys, Master. even the ones who do a lot of real estate are doing standard retail oh, buyer to seller deals. Yep. They work the same way. Um, I recently had a situation where uh, I'm on the board of my synagogue and the synagogue owned the home for one of the rabbis a long time ago. We sold it and they used a, a member of the synagogue to do the, to do the, closing and she was like a real old time attorney where she she just was not doing anything different than she always did no matter what and you're going to get a lot of that and that's people who do real estate right when I, I see people going to attorneys who don't even do real estate and they start talking to them about wholesaling or double closing and it's like you you know the guy's a personal injury attorney or the guy's a litigator he doesn't know anything about the stuff so you got you got to find someone who's got a lot of experience a lot and who's not afraid of it if the guy even hesitates, I tell people, if the guy even hesitates, when you tell him you want to go into contract and assign it to another buyer, if the guy, if there's a moment's hesitation, um, you got to, you probably got to use another attorney because they, they all know the concept of assignment of contract. They learned it in law school, but yeah. if you've never actually done one, you've never generated an assignment or a, or a, or a double closed contract, you, you know, you're going to, you're, you're going to be in trouble when you get to the closing. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You made a great point here. I want to make sure that we, we clarify it with the audience. 
Let's break down the assignment in New York and then we'll break down the double close and then we'll kind of compare the two because you do one and I do the other a lot. So right. let's, let's get into that. And then what we'll do is we'll start pivoting over to um, the seller's attorney. Like what to expect when you're, when you, have, let's pretend you have, well, so we'll talk about the assignment double close and then we'll go into, let's pretend you have a good attorney and then we're, we're working with the seller's attorney now, what you need to look out for. So you make sure you don't sign a contract that's not in your favor. So let's start the, with the assignment and the double close clarify that and then we'll transition to our next segment here i'll talk about assignment and you could you could talk about Perfect. double close, right you 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 have a unique situation with double closing because you have an attorney that really understands it and you have a title company that's on board with it. It. yeah i i may or may not be able to do what you do um um using my title company and my attorney but we'll, you'll talk about that in a second so for me i get into contract with the seller and we'll, we'll the next topic we'll talk about is how that works um and then when i find a buyer for it my attorney um and, and just well, we'll talk about it later but my, my attorney um generates an assignment of contract which means that the person that i'm assigning it to is taking my place in the contract so whatever so they always want to see the underlying contract because they want to know whatever obligations i have for example if i if i'm if i'm responsible if i'm taking it occupied with tenants then they have to take it occupied with tenants if uh the seller is responsible to keep uh uh, deliver it broom clean then and the seller doesn't then i'm responsible yeah you're <laughs> that, taking that so yeah, yeah. um that's assigned and then that's the basic process as a contract with, uh, with the way i do is a contract with the with the seller's attorney and then an assignment to the buyer's attorney the way you do it is a little is a little different yeah so you're you're literally just selling your paperwork basically for an assignment fee you're not taking title you're never even getting involved on the chain of title you're just basically so michael's just taking his contract selling his contract for and it's, it's, i think it's called an interest release fee is like the real legal term not an attorney by the way but basically he's getting he's getting paid for the contract in my scenario my attorney doesn't really like doing that because and i i found that that, that works really well but it, on some of the deals i've done where the at least the assignment fees were bit like big ass assignment fees the buyers were like a little wonky and some of the sellers got a little wonky so my attorney just says you know what let's keep it separate a double close is basically when you buy a property from a seller and you resell it either the same day or a few days later. And a lot of the times, if you, if you have someone who knows what they're doing, you can actually use the buyer's money, depending on your state, depending on, I'm sure most people listening here are in New York, uh, not legal advice, but you can actually use the buyer's money to fund the transaction between you and the seller. And then obviously the balance goes to you. And the reason it is. It sometimes can be easier to do that in New York is because number one, our deal sizes are generally bigger. I mean, we do deals where 30, 40, $50,000 is not abnormal and it separates the two transactions. So now this, you're, you're, you're buying the house from the seller and then you're turning around and reselling it. So there's, there's two closings going on. So the seller doesn't know that you're flipping it, even though he knows you're going to make money if you communicate the right way, which we can do a show on that. And at the same time, the buyer doesn't know how much you're making on the deal. And I've found that to be more problematic than the seller. The seller generally doesn't care that much. The buyer sometimes is the one who's upset you're making 80 grand on a deal that you didn't do anything on. So in our scenario, we, we generally double close transactions unless they're like $10,000 or less. We'll try to just assign those. And I've found that you have to have, like you said, a title company that is okay with doing a double close to where you don't get sp smoked in fees. Because sometimes the drawback to a double close, if you do it the wrong way, is that you trigger basically double closing costs and double mortgage recording tax and double tra double transfer tax. And it, it can be 
you know, very expensive potentially to do a double close. But if you have the right title company, you can do it to a where, where you basically leapfrog title. And uh, it's kind of complicated. I don't even really know that. My, my, in my area, when I, I've yeah. done, I've done double close because I had to, and it was really expensive. I, I was paying a lot of fees. You, 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 you have a unique situation with uh, yeah. your title company, your attorney that can yeah. do it in a way that doesn't, it's not really expensive. You, have, you yeah, pay a small fee, but not a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I'm definitely, think, I'm definitely thinking about um, coming over to the dark side on that on that on that topic. Well, with COVID, everything's virtual now, so I mean, I, right, I, so I barely yeah. see Ravella. I mean, I'm just like usually I'm in California, so I'm like I don't know what's going on. Um, that's another thing I don't like. I hate going to closings. By the way, I hate. I just cannot stand that. It's just a waste of time. I, the, one of the greatest things ever is me not going to closings, and I yeah. and then people just assume like the the realtor or the title. Oh, we'll see you tomorrow. I'm like, like I'm not going to be there. My attorney's got a release, and that's it. Yeah, no, for sure. So that I think clarifies the assignment versus the double close. Now let's get into. Let's pretend you know the person listening to this. They they have a good attorney. They found they found them through the referral network. Now the seller, now the seller and the seller's attorney is where things can go off the rails. And I have seen this, uh, I've gotten really good at like navigating through the waters now, but you need to know your stuff and know what you're getting into. Cause the last thing a new investor wants, or even an experienced investor is to get a smoking deal in the attorney's office. And then all of a sudden they got to put, you know, $40,000 down and they can't assign it. And they got to close in 21 days. And they're just like, Holy cow, what am I going to do? So I'll let you kind of take it from here, Michael, and then I'll kind of chime in and um, add to whatever you say. I found that if you are planning to wholesale property, right, this may or may not apply if you're going to close on it, but if you're planning to wholesale property, there's really three things that you have to think about after a seller says yes, before the seller speaks to his attorney. The three things are assignability of the contract, because yes. standard contracts in New York are not assignable, right? Clause 26 says no assignability. The second thing is the size of the earnest money deposit because standard deposits in New York are 10%. So if you buy something for 300, it's 30 grand. And the third thing is actually getting um, permission from the seller to show the property. So, oh, huge. So I, what I do is I tell the seller, listen, um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the language I use. And I, I frame all three of those things in terms of making it easier for the seller. So the first thing I say is, I need the contract to be assignable, at which point every seller goes, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> and I say, what it means is that I need to be able to move it into different entities, right? I work with a lot of different partners. And in order to make sure that when we schedule this closing, you get your money on that day, I need the ability to move it into another entity because one of my partners may decide to stick it in his, in his self-directed uh, 401k account. Things can move at the last second and I don't know, and I need the ability to move. They usually say, okay. Sometimes they don't understand, but they say, okay. Yeah. Second thing I said is, listen, for the deposit. So your attorney is going to ask you for me to put 10% down, but I'm involved in a lot of transactions, more than most people. And if I put 10% down on every deal, I'd be out of business. So if it's okay, I'm going to give you $5,000 for this deal or $10,000 for this deal. And the third thing I say is I really want to, I want to start construction or, or I don't, we're going to start, someone's going to start construction on this. Well, I'll say I'll start construction the day we close. And the only way I can start construction the day we close is if I can get people in there first. So I'm going to bring in both contractors and potential buyers because I know people who are looking in the area and they're going to give me feedback. So I'll usually find something specific in the house, like that huge bedroom upstairs. I may cut it up into two bedrooms or that tiny bedroom. I may break it open and make, make one big bedroom out of it. And I really, 
I'm not that smart. And I don't even know if to, whether I should do that or not. But if I bring potential buyers in, they'll give me that feedback. And then I'll bring in contractors that, right, at the same time who can give me a quote on what that costs. So those are the three things I need. Now, ironically, the conversation that takes place between me and the seller will never go anywhere. That seller is never going to call his attorney and say, hey, this guy needs a signable. But what's going to happen is that the seller's attorney is going to send out a standard contract to my attorney. My attorney is going to come back with, hey, I need it to be assignable. We're only giving $5,000 and we want something in the addendum about showing the property. At which point the seller's attorney is going to call his client and say, what the hell is all this? And, and that, at that point, the seller is going to go, oh, yeah, we discussed it and everything's fine. Yeah, they coach him. They got to coach the attorney because the attorney can't really speak for the client. So right. it's up to the seller. And that one out of 15 or one of 25 that we discussed is some jerk attorney who wants to uh, be a business advisor to his client. Yes. What are you selling it for at a discount? That's crazy. These guys are going to flip it. These guys are, born, you know, you get those once in a while. And yeah. sometimes the seller is strong enough to go, what the hell is it your business? And sometimes the seller is like, I can't sell it to you. My attorney won't let me. 100%. 100%. I, I had one where we would have made 100 grand and the guy's attorney talked him out of it. That is what it is. I mean, there's, they listed you can't, it. You know, it sucks. And people ask me all the time, how do you prevent that? And the answer is you can't. You can't prevent that. That seller is going to trust his attorney more than he's going to trust you. A hundred percent. Especially if you, if you yeah. For sure. Even if you spend a, a 20 hours talking to him, he's going to believe, he's going to trust his legal advisor that more than he's going to trust you. And if, it, and if a legal advisor says, don't sell it to Michael Pinto or Greg Helbeck, they're probably not going to sell it to you. They're not going to sell it. They're going to go with the attorney over you. A hundred percent. And that, that's just, the that is not a high thing in, in, in ARIA. I mean, it's, no. it's, it's very, it's very infrequent. Thank, thankfully, it's very, very infrequent. Very infrequent. Most of these attorneys want to get paid. They don't get paid if the deal doesn't close. hundred percent. You, that, that brings up another point, actually, I wanted to mention. So, oh man. So another thing, and this, this has to do with attorneys, actually, it is, it is relevant to our conversation today. Generally speaking, the inspection is done before the contract because of the attorney. So let's cover that too, because that's something where a lot of people, I actually get away with that. Now we found a way to, to do that. And it's a little it's a little do, do an inspection clause. We, we've, we've pulled that off now. We're for starting how, for how long? 10 days. Like, and wait, agree to it? Yeah. And, and are you using that to find the buyer in those 10 days? Uh, yeah. Well, it depends. If it's a jacked up property I'll close on, I literally want to get a contractor there. If it's something I'm going to just wholesale, I will be a thousand percent honest with the seller and say, listen, I can close on this property. I have the ability and the means and whatever to close. I want to sell this to another buyer for a profit. Would you care if I took 10 days to try to find another buyer and I'll make a profit? And I, that literally, we did a deal two days ago and I literally said that and we made like $14,000. And it was the house had a coffin inside of it. It was a total tear down, like it not not a good deal in my opinion, for right. me at I, least. I, I always struggle with that, right? Because I, yeah. I, on some level, I want to be open and honest, but on yeah. level, I feel like I'm going to confuse the hell out of them. So, yeah. so what we're talking about is this inspection contingency. So in general, in New York, um, inspections get done before the contract gets signed. So we yes. agree on a, on a price, an inspection gets scheduled. Because the, the thinking is, A, if there's any repairs that you want made, we want it legally put into an addendum in the contract. And B, attorneys do not want to start preparing contracts, even though it'll take them 15 minutes, um, unless they feel like the, the buyer really has to close. Like the only standard contingency on a retail standard deal is a mortgage contingency. But this inspection contingency, which is common in other 49 states, is very rare in New York. And yep. those are the two reasons why. And they, 
it's funny you said the mortgage tenancy because that's total garbage because you could just tell your mortgage broker to not give you the approval and you could have just taken the guy Listen, to the clean. Like, I was in the mortgage business for 17 years and probably a hundred times someone called me and said, I changed my mind. Just give me a denial. The truth is a mortgage contingency is a get out of contract free pass. That's the truth. It's not hard to get a denial. All you have to do is not send in your most recent pay stuff. I mean, that's all you have to do. 100%. So, so, um, so that's the truth, but that, but it's, it's just what's ex customarily accepted in New York. But it's rare that you're going to be able to have an inspection contingency because most sellers attorneys are going to be like, do the freaking inspection now. And, and then we'll deal with it. We'll, 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 you know, we'll deal with it. If there's any repairs you want us to make, we'll put it into the contract and before we sign. That's hundred percent. hundred percent. No, that's a great, I, I wanted to make, make sure we covered that. And here's a, the other part of attorneys that, that this blows people's this. I've shared this with people in other areas and they, they literally thought I was lying. And I'm like, why would I lie about that? So in New York, not only does the buyer and the seller have an attorney. So let, let's, I'm going to just paint a picture and then we'll unpack that picture. So let's pretend Michael is wholesaling a property in Long Island, which is where he generally does his work. And he has his own attorney. So it's Michael, Michael's attorney. He's buying the property from a seller. So the seller, and then there's the seller's attorney. Okay. And then there is a uh, end buyer who has their own attorney. And then let's say that end buyer is getting hard money. You have the hard money company and the hard money company's attorney. So that is eight. four attorney, four, yeah, four, four attorney attorneys. and four other parties at a closing. Yes. But in our case, we don't go to the closing. We but, don't go to the closing. But four so, attorneys are getting paid on a, on a yes. typical wholesaler. Very common. Yes. Four attorneys have to uh, um, coordinate their schedules and where they're going to do it. And inevitably, if there's a lender's attorney, like a guy's getting hard money, then that's where the, that's the, that guy's in control. If there's no lender, then the seller's in control usually, but the seller's attorney, the, the lender's attorney usually can dictate where the closing takes place. Yep. But that's, I have that that's, happen right now. That is typical bullshit in New York. Yes. Yep. We got a whale wholesale deal closing next week. And the, the, the holdup right now is the guy's getting hard money and he, it's just, it's this whole conundrum and everyone's all yippity yappity, but that, that's something that it might scare you if this is the first time you're listening to it. But once you get a couple deals under your belt and you understand how the process works, it just gets easier because it becomes normal. I think the first, I remember Mike, honestly, in New York, because it's so hard with the attorneys, the first like three or four deals I did, I didn't have the really ability to put a deposit down. So I would kind of just bird dog deals for our mutual friends because yeah. I didn't have the nuts to really go down and put a deposit in. And then once I saw how that process worked with them, I'm like, all right, I can do this myself. And then I started kind of getting my foot in the door, but it can be overwhelming for a new person to, to, especially in Long Island. I mean, that's. Sure. And that's one of the reasons why you or I help a lot of people who are yes. new um, by bringing not just our expertise, but our money and our professionals yes. in, into it. So you, I know you've been doing a bunch of JV deals. I've been doing a bunch of JV deals. So people that are new. So the challenges I find for people that are new are, are not just attorney related. So first of all, very often they don't know what it, if it, if a deal is a deal, right? You or I can tell them if a deal is a deal right away, and then then they don't want to put the, the deposit down because they even if it's ten grand, it's something that they don't. Have. Money. Yeah. And then they don't have any way to, to monetize it because they don't have a buyer's list, and you and I have that. Um, so we're able to. And worst case, you or I, if the can buyer flakes, the buyer flakes out, we can yeah. close on it and, yeah. and, and monetize it in a different way. So. That's the kind of things that we provide for people. And for, it is scary in the beginning. And that's one of the reasons why you or I are getting so many of these JV deals because people that are getting into this business need, need help. A hundred percent. And there's real value that's getting brought to the table because if, if in New York, and in my opinion, I mean, especially with the attorneys, just to kind of put a bow on all this, 
if, if, if you're getting involved in deals and you don't have the ability to close, whether that's a good buyer's list, your own ability to close or a JV guy, you're putting yourself on a, on a one-legged stool if you're in the assignment business because Absolutely. I love assignments and double closings when they work, but I, I have came to the conclusion, at least in, from my experience, a lot of the times it's a little more complicated to wholesale a deal logistically, not like it's easier to make the money. But if you're going to go buy a deal and close on it and either get hard money or use your own money, it's pretty straightforward. It's, you just buy the damn deal. But I think when you're wholesaling, when you're it gets middle. a little hairy. You're in the middle. And you're, you're in the middle. To a seller. And then if a buyer changes, not, yes. I just had a deal was supposed to close yesterday. It gets hairy. Um, and I, I went into contract on this deal and I, and I gave the seller up to seven days of post-closing possession. Like that was a big, that. I hate that. I, hate I, I don't that. like it either, but this guy seemed legit. Now there were also two tenants in there that I you hold money in escrow that I bought out. So the idea is we were going to hold money in escrow. And then to the buyer, what I, what I, 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 I agreed with both tenants for a, a, a numerical amount. One left right away and one was about to leave, but I forgot about the post-closing possession. So the buyer showed up, the buyer was about to go to closing and he's like, I'm going to do a walkthrough and there better be nobody in there. Oh no. I forgot about the post-closing possession. So I, I, that happens a lot on wholesale. It may not be that situation. It'd be a hundred other situations where yep. you are in the middle and being in the middle is a tough thing to be, it's right? Because you're, you're representing X to the seller. And if the buyer changes X to Y, you got to ex start explaining why. So yeah. it, it's, it causes a lot of stress. It causes stress, right? You know about the stress. I mean, this, this is part of it, but that's why we, we get paid. But, but, but if you're just closing on it and you have the money or you have a lender that's going to lend you the money, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a simpler process. Yeah. When you're in the, especially when you're doing bigger deals, when you got a lot of like money on the line, like you have to, you have to rely on that. You either have to really rely on that buyer and also be able to close. Cause if you're buying a real deal, it's not like a little skinny Mickey mouse deal. You can, if you can always close no matter what. And if you're able to do that, you just plan worst case scenario, this buyer flakes out, you tell the seller you need three more days and whatever, and you could just fund it. But I see a lot of wholesalers get in trouble when they, they cannot buy the property. Like they don't have the money to buy it or they don't have the courage to buy it, which is totally understandable. If you're new, right. you can put yourself in a real tough position, especially in New York when you have lawyers involved, because you're going to get a, you're not getting your deposit back and you're going to get a lot of people pissed off and they can get messy, especially when you have let it's just, there's a lot more parties involved is the, is the bottom line in New York. You have, there's so many people here with their hand out, pulling money out of the table you really got to be, and also you got to be open to getting uncomfortable because a lot of our wholesale deals where we make the most money, the feathers are getting ruffled a little bit. It's not like it's uh, everyone, no one's singing Kumbaya. I mean, it, it, it gets a little messy. And uh, another, yeah. another good point there is that you and I both know that we, we can close. Yes. Completely changes our conversations with the, with the buyers, right? Because <laughs> buyers like to screw around with you. <laughs> when you say to them, listen, if you're not paying X, I'm just going to close on it. And you mean it. It's not like the S. It changes your whole, your whole demeanor with the buyers. And it definitely helps for sure, right? If the buyer knows that this guy is not desperate. If you are a desperate wholesaler because you oh, can't yeah. close, that buyer really has you by the balls. They, they, and you're, you're at a big disadvantage. Yeah, you're, you're in a real... You're in a real pickle, and that's the buyer, the buyer knows that uh, he can delay, uh, ask you for a price reduction last second, yeah. and what what are you really going to do? 
you're going to bend over and take it is what you're going to do. But when you can go, but when you can go, when you can tell the guy you're out of here, I'm not, it's not delaying. We got to close today. Goodbye. You're, you're, yep. you're, you're in default. Um, then uh, it changes, it changes, it changes how much money you make for sure. hundred percent, hundred percent. So I think we wrap this show up with one more thing in New York that I think is very unique. And then we'll, we'll put a bow on the show and, and, and call it a day is specific performance and why in new york it is better in my opinion to get in a contract because you have a lot more control and teeth in these agreements because i've done this in texas and i i got my clock clean because it's just like a that's a whole nother planet over there right no like enforceability really you could do a memorandum but they could basically wipe their ass with that memorandum and tell you to get out of there so we we did a so we did a we did a whole show on things that are better or worse in New York, but yes. um, this is really something that a lot of people don't understand. Um, everything with attorneys, there are some good points to it. So there was really two. One is the one you mentioned. I'm gonna get to in a second, but the other one is, you know, in a lot of companies, they have to hire a transaction coordinator, right? Because no one's really working to to do the transaction. But in New York, if you have a good attorney, him the attorney his or her paralegals also are basically your transaction coordinators. They want to get the deal close. You don't need, you can save a a staff member. That's number one. But the second one is what you just said in that a seller cannot change his mind in New York. And because he has an attorney, that attorney will be the first one to tell him that he can't change his mind. So I, one of my first wholesale deals was a big deal, $120,000 wholesale deal. And um, the guy was a very militant, angry guy who just was pissed off at the world. And I was just terrified. I said, this guy's going to get to closing and see I'm making $120,000. He's going to walk away. And my attorney said, listen, he may be pissed off, but he's not selling the house to anybody else. He has to sell it to you. Yep. If he doesn't sell it to you, A, you can put a list pendants on the property, which is the same as if they're in a, a foreclosure. So he'll never sell it to anybody else ever. It's not like one of these memorandums of contract that you sign in another state, which may or may not cause a problem. You're just a list pendants the same as, if, same as if you were a mortgage lender and he wasn't paying. And B, then you can sue him for the entire purchase price, not just whatever profit you were going to make. If I was going to buy a house for $400,000, I could sue for $400,000. So he's not selling it to anybody else, and he's going to get a huge lawsuit that he's going to lose to you. So as soon as his attorney tells him that, he's going to close. He's not walking. He's not going anywhere else. No. So, yeah, so that, that is an amazingly good thing oh, yeah. to take for granted in New York. It gives you uh, – I, I had a similar experience where – I was pissed because this, I, I, I made a huge mistake, a 25 year old knucklehead mistake, which we can talk about in a later podcast, but long story short, the guy was like texting, texting the right people. Yeah. Texting the wrong guy. Yeah. And I, I mean, I didn't like tell him he was an idiot. I just said, this is smoking deal. We got to get this locked up immediately because dude, holy shit. Like you see the profit here. And uh, it was, it was, it was like Rolls Royce money. And I, I, the guy, the seller was like, I'm not selling you. You sent that text to the seller instead of your attorney. I sent a text to the seller saying, because their their name was both John and I right. doubt they're, either of them are listening to this, but basically I said, John, I got a smoking deal in Monroe. Right. Let's get the contract out immediately. Oh, and the I seller said, saw that, obviously he- He didn't say shit. He didn't do shit. He, he totally he ignored it. He didn't see that text for a while. <laughs> yeah, he didn't see it, I think. And then he signed the contract. But the thing is, once the deposit is, is in the attorney's escrow account, it's lights out. You can't do shit. So- so the guy texted me or called me like a couple of weeks later and was like, dude, F you, I'm not selling you the house. And I said, that's fine. Like, I get it. I get why you're mad. Like, I made a mistake. I'm not justifying the stupid thing I did. But I just want to let you know, you're not going anywhere, pal. And I'll see you at the Well, my attorney will see you at the closing. And the guy was, he was shopping all my competitors on mutual friends. And I'm like, okay, John, like, all right. I was not happy. I thought maybe he had a, some, because it was a distress scenario. 
Um, but long story short on closing date, I said, Hey dude, um, bottom line is if you don't freaking get these, uh, the deed signed over to me, man, you're, you're getting sued and your ass is grass. And he, uh, he went in there and signed and we made almost a hundred thousand dollars. So that's, a, that's, a, yeah. that's an admit, right. We take that for granted in New York. Take it for no granted. It's a pain in the ass to get into contract, but you're nobody's getting out unless everybody agrees. It's like going to jail. It's a lot easier to get in than to go out. <laughs> so right. not saying Michael and I have any experience doing that, knock on wood, but I mean it's it's <laughs> it's it, it's it's a I think it gives you a lot more confidence too, because you can really push hard. And you know, there's guys that we know in Long Island that they 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 like the specific performance and it, it gets it can get nasty, and the sellers know. And the attorney knows most importantly that they, they, their client is, is screwed. That's the thing. Uh, not screwed, I, but I, I tell people you can't get a contract. They go, but how does the seller know that? I go, because the seller's represented by somebody who's going to tell yeah, that. And it's, right in the, it's, it's clear as day in there. It's like if right. buyer defaults, sole remedy is liquidated damages, earnest money deposit, which is why you want to get it as low as possible. And if the seller defaults, if you read the standard New York contract, it's like, it looks like a, a, a poem from Shakespeare. It's like <laughs> basically you're screwed <laughs> and uh, specific performance and all that. So anyway. Before we wrap the show up, Michael and I are not attorneys. This is not legal advice. So obviously you can listen to us for entertainment and for some information, but do not take this as legal advice. Consult with your local New York state or any attorney that you're working with, depending on what state you're listening to, and make sure that that's the advice you're going with. Him and I are not attorneys. We're just sharing with you our experience from- In fact, we're telling you that you need to be represented by- Yes, you need an attorney. Exactly. So for the record, that just make sure you heard that here. Michael, I think um, these shows are going to keep getting better every episode we do. So I think we just, we absolutely unloaded the skinny on attorneys here and I'm looking forward to our next episode. So if people want to get in touch with you and they want to do a deal with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? They can call my office. It's 516-209-2010 or they can email me at, uh, well, calling is probably the best way, but my, all my contact information is available online on social media everywhere. It's easy to find me. Exactly. And if they want to get in touch with me, they can email me greg at velocityhousebuyers.com if they have a deal or they can find me on Instagram at grego, G-R-E-G-O underscore 37. That's grego, G-R-E-G-O underscore 37. And uh, we're here to help everyone. So if you want to do some deals with us, hit us up. You know, we're in different areas of New York. So Michael's really in Long Island. I'm more in the Hudson Valley. So I hope you all got some value from this show and uh, make sure you go out there and you take our advice and actually do it. And I'm telling you, it'll make your business a lot easier. So hope everyone has a good rest of their day and we will see you on the next episode.